Hey, and welcome to Wolf Disney. Um, we are two sisters who did not grow up with a lot of exposure to Disney movies. My name, um, and so we're watching them in order now and talking about them in every podcast episode. My name is Natalie. My name is Sarah. And this week is is just Lady and the Tramp. It's not what? the lady. Why'd you say just? it's not the lady and the tramp i realized that i think i say the okay for it okay um i think i mean i would like to give some um constructive criticism that maybe you practice that introduction a little bit more before the next time that you do the introduction okay well you can inbox us at wolfdisneypodcast at gmail.com with that criticism. Um, so I have an icebreaker question. So in, in Lady and the Tramp. Um, Are you going to be awkward every time you say the name of this movie? Well, because I keep saying the lady and her name is Lady. Um, so I watched this movie with my roommates because I think it's the first one that we've had on our list since I moved in with them that I did not feel like I was tricking them into an adventure by asking them to watch it with me on a Friday night. That's fair. Um, and we really enjoyed um, the Scottish accent and then the the bloodhounds, just like old Southern man accent. Um, and so then we began to think um, what, like naming dog breeds with um, not accents necessarily, but like actors that we knew. So, so how is this an icebreaker? So we were going to assign each other a dog breed and we would say what what actor we would get to play that dog. Okay. This also assumes that I know actors. Can it be any famous person? Sure. Okay. What famous people do you know that are not actors? Like athletes, musicians. Okay, okay. Instagram influencers. Sure. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Okay. So I need to think of a dog breed for you? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to give you a Boston Terrier. I was going to give you a Boston Terrier. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. I will give you a, um, oh, a, uh, oh, crap. What are they called? Um, the, the dog I love. Pug? No, big. Oh, the Mastiff, uh, Neapolitan Mastiff. Neapolitan Mastiff. Yeah. Okay. So I, I have a Boston Terrier. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> done. I texted you about this last night. So I am currently fostering a Boston Terrier. Um, her name is Bonnie. If anyone is interested in adopting her, she is 11 years old, blind. Um, I don't think she hears well at all. She's got a bad leg. Um, it takes her a long time to find things with her nose, um, but she is available for adoption and is pretty sweet. She's sleeping under a blanket right now. Um, but for Halloween, I'm trying to figure out a way to dress her up like Steve Buscemi because she has the big eyes um, and he does too. That's good. Thanks. I feel like you didn't really. Okay. You could have um, me a different dog. We, we literally had this text conversation last night. 
Neapolitan Mastiff. Well, I think this person's dead, but I've been watching Gilmore Girls and it would be the one who plays the grandpa in Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I'm okay with that. that. Kind of like, just like Regal. Uh, Edward, no. Same as Edward. Mm. Hold on really quickly, because I don't, we don't need tweets just for this one thing. Uh, <laughs> Gilmore. No, he said like, and featuring, and that was Yeah, he never, yeah. Like Norton? Uh, Edward Herman. Edward Herman. That was close. Yeah. So I think someone like him would play um, a Neapolitan Mastiff. I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Emily Gilmore would be okay with that. But because of the droops? Because of the drooling and the jowls. But I think that Richard would be okay with it. Yeah. Richard. Okay, well, thanks for playing along. Um, you ready to talk about the lady and the tramp? No, it's just lady and the tramp. Uh, I have background stuff, I guess. Yeah, go for it. So lady and the tramp was released in 1955. What date? I don't know, on a Friday. Very important. Do you know? No, just that next week's episode is Disneyland. And so this is like in May, I think. I think it's like May 15th and then Disneyland's like June 12th or something like that. I just want to say that there's a very quick turnaround. Not that they like stopped yeah. one start of the other, but yeah, like... You're very attached to this like... I just think they're very... Disney was very busy in like a four-month period. A lot of, a lot of production. Yeah. So, um, and I think the 30s or 40s, definitely not the 50s, um story artist for disney joe grant um had a a cocker spaniel named lady it was in the 30s and he and his wife had a baby um and he was just amused by like the idea of the storyline of this dog's how the dog's role changes when the baby comes and like the relationship between the baby and the dog and so he brought that idea to disney and i think like did some sketches and stuff but they're just didn't seem to be enough of a plot there to drive a whole movie, which I would agree with probably. And World War II started. Yes. Um, and so then, which I guess Sarah's going to talk about, um, Ward Green wrote a short story for Cosmopolitan when Cosmopolitan um, was different, I guess. Um, and <laughs> yeah, can you imagine seeing that on the? on the cover of a Cosmo in the like grocery aisle. That's like, yeah, I feel like, it, yeah, I feel like it's more of like a, like a reader's digest move or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Or like, um, um uh, garden and gun. Cause they always have like a dog mm-hmm. section. Yeah. That would be in that, up, that magazine now. The dog, the story is called happy Dan, the cynical dog, which brings in the what? Say it again? happy Dan, the cynical dog, cynical dog. Okay. Did you research this? I did, but the way you said it sounded like you said the nickel dog, and I didn't know what a nickel dog was. That's a nickel. That's a hot dog, Natalie. That's a totally different story. And so this story brought in the idea of Tramp's character, um, and that's how the Disney movie was born. Um, the tagline on the movie cover for the movie is, and now his happiest motion picture, um, in reference to Walt Disney's his is Walt Disney, I think. 
It's a weird. That's a weird tagline. Yeah. Like normally a tagline is about the movie, not about the producer. That's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine movies today? Like I can't name a single producer. <laughs> so if they were like, she really likes it. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, what's the movie out now? Um, like Wonder Woman. He bought us some popcorn for set. I just think the two of us um, are not the best people to talk about um, this because I think I think other people who do enjoy film do know producers. Like, I don't think that's... Uh, like, is Quentin Tarantino a producer or director? Oh, I don't he's know. a director. I'm going to say Google famous producers. Um, the guy who does the weird stuff. Okay. Everyone's music. <laughs> movie. Who's the most famous movie producer? Oh, yeah, of course. Kevin Feige. Feige. What did he produce? He produced... He does have a Wikipedia page. Oh my God, he's a terrifying smile. Um, oh, I don't know if you've heard of this movie, um, but it's called Black Panther. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it looks like he's really big into Marvel and like Avengers stuff. I don't know if that's Marvel or not. I think he's really big into comic books. He's only 47. I'm 35, and I feel like I need to get a jump on some of the stuff. Oh, and his early work includes being assistant to executive producer Lauren Schuler Donner on Volcano and You've Got Mail. All right, so other producers are Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. Okay, but that is a movie called The Producers. Mel Brooks. Also, um, actually, a producer, though. Okay. In <laughs> Walder. Might, might have produced. Oh, he was Willy Wonka. Okay, so anyway, back to the plot of the podcast. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Wolf Disney, where we just Google producers and we go, hmm, heard of that movie? Never heard of that movie. Um, 52 minutes of fun. Well, that's most of the background I have for it. So Sarah, why don't you take it away with um, whatever you looked up? Oh, okay. Um, I didn't look anything up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I looked up, uh, I looked up Mary Ness. I read her article too. Our good, our good friend Mary Ness. So I, I have some stuff in here from her. Um, so she is one of our favorite sources, I think, in that she is full of, um, helpful background information, but also always with a little bit of taste of uh, cynicism and sarcasm, which is um, our second language, I would say. Do you think she'll ever find out that we like exist and do this? Oh man, that would be amazing. Mary Ness, if you're listening, send us an email at wolfdisneypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, so Mary Ness's article says that um, so Cinderella was, you know, that big box office hit. I don't, do you remember that movie? Um, yeah, like after Snow White. Yeah. There was like a dog in it and a cat. Um, there was a dog and a cat, Bruno and Lucifer. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so the films that immediately followed Cinderella didn't do quite as well in the box office. And so, but, but Walt Disney had this idea of Disneyland, um, which we will hear more about next week. 
Um, but am I not supposed to do that? Just you really and go ahead. Okay. Well, they're like they're intertwined a little bit. And so um so so the box office, the other movies weren't doing so so on the box office, but Walt Disney wants to build Disneyland and he needs to fund it. And you know, we'll learn in the next week's episode about him teaming up with ABC. They also needed to produce a movie that would bring some money in. And so that's kind of where, um, like you said earlier, um, this movie kind of came from where they kind of had it on the back burner for a while where they had, they said, you know, we should, we should do a movie about a dog and a baby and that kind of stuff. Um, and then that um, Cosmo article came out and that kind of gave them a little bit more of a background um, and so then um, and the, when the 50s rolled around, that was when they were, they were kind of ready to do that. Um, uh, oh, um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> not necessary. Um, you know, you said earlier that Lady is based on an English Cocker Spaniel owned by Disney artist Joe Grant, but also it's based off a moment from Walt Disney's life when he decided to apologize to his wife by giving her a puppy in a hat box, which we see at the beginning of the movie. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen a puppy, but unless it's asleep, a puppy is not gonna be quiet in a hat box. I'm like, how long was that hat box under the Christmas tree? It wasn't under the tree. Yeah, it was. Are you talking about Walt Disney or the animated? No, 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 the movie. When we finally watched, like the movie is based off of that one moment. But like when I was watching the movie, I was like, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't real. Yeah. Um, Anyways, um, when the Cosmos story came out, that kind of helped them um, kind of decide that they were really going to go for it and, and make this movie. I also just want to address the whole hat box thing in the first place. Um, it's kind of strange, mostly because in, in the movie, uh, Darling picks up the hat box and says like, oh, is this the one the ball? Like it's that she like has been eyeing a hat or like talking yep. about a specific hat. I mean, Lady's really cute. Like, I don't think there was like a lot of question that like she would not love Lady, but also- It's still a gamble, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a gamble. Like, can you imagine? Like, okay. Um, every year, this is how Christmas works at the Wolf House. Um, Christmas shopping works. Mom gives dad a number and says, this is how much money that you can spend on my Christmas presents. And she gives him a list that has very specific items on it. Like, I need a red cardigan. I need turquoise earrings. Mm -hmm. I need this specific type of pot. I mean, like, like a cooking pot. <laughs> I need, you know, I mean, it, it's very, and it's sometimes it's really lame where you're just like, this isn't a fun Christmas present. Like, yay. I don't know. Like what's the thing that she got for Christmas that you're just like, huh? Well, I don't think it's as much Christmas morning. It's just like, like the last time that we were all together, mom mentioned some color of sweater or something that she needed, or like a color of like jewelry that she wanted more of to match like new clothes she got she was mentioning these things and then like um I guess just like said along the lines of yeah I might like that for Christmas it's just things that the rest of us like if we really need like we would just buy it well that's that's what dad said he was like if you need that just get it <laughs> yeah. just I think 
in general, her her lists, are, her, her they're not really wish lists. They're more of just like neat things that she does need, um, which I, I typically she might get, not refer to it as needs, but. Yeah. Um, and I, I typically been, get her like one thing from her list, maybe two things, and then like another thing or two things that I'm like, I just want her to have this, like a John Prine t-shirt or something like that. Well, so we have started doing stockings for everybody. And I think that's helped like balance in everybody's heads. Like what are like, we can do both things. We can yes. surprise each other. Um, and also get, cause I, I like practical things too, but, um, yeah. 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 Well, and, and so, you know, going with that, there have been several years. So our mom's, um, engagement ring, um, she lost the diamond in it a long time ago. Like it just fell out like in 1994 and she's just wears her wedding band. Um, and there's been a couple of years where dad has been like, can I please just get this for you? And she's like, no, I don't want that. And so like, if mom ever opened a diamond on Christmas morning and dad didn't run it by her first, I think it would be an awkward Christmas. Um, just cause she likes, she doesn't like surprises like that. And, and that kind of stuff is expensive. And so like the same thing would happen if dad gave her a puppy. Oh, okay. You're equating. Yes. I understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's something you run by somebody else. Like you talk about having a puppy before you give it to the other person in a hat box on Christmas morning. Yeah. <sighs> so anyways, um, Mary Ness. Mary Ness, they make the movie. Um, so some interesting things about the movie is that Disney orders the film to remain at the eye level of the dog whenever possible. And so that's why we don't really see a lot of the humans. We really see their legs and their feet mostly. Um, but then Mary Ness points out, she says, which is to say, if you've ever wondered why Darling's hair is a different color every time it appears on screen, well, it appears on screen so rarely that apparently no one thought of deciding on a color for it. <laughs> so um, I thought that was interesting, though, that they were, um, that that was the perspective that they wanted to work with was only at the dog's level. Mm -hmm. um, and then Mary Ness, which really, which really shaped, really shaped the imagination um, for Nickelodeon when they did Rugrats. Sure. Yeah, I would say that this is probably a big influencer for the Rugrats crew. Um, so Mary Ness makes this argument that this is the first Disney romance. Correct. Do you agree? Yeah. What makes it the first Disney romance as opposed to Cinderella or Snow White? Um, there's a courtship. Mm -hmm. They share things about them, their self, themselves. Let's take Snow White out of this. Okay. Because that is like not a courtship at all. Maybe Cinderella had more yeah. to do with Prince Charming or whatever. Um, as far as like romance as genre, like as genre goes, it's like more appealing in the anyway than any other like possible love story Disney created so far of like this stray dog who like has seen the world. It's like, a, it's like a world of opposites, right? Like it's, you know, she's the lady, he's the tramp. That's where they get she's, the name of the she's movie. She's just from. lady. She's lady, he's tramp. 
Um, Where's the tramp? See, I don't know. I don't know why he gets an article. That is confusing. It should either be the lady and the tramp or lady and tramp. Well, I think it's because I don't think tramp is hit. Like, he has. Do you think they rename him after at the end of the movie? Do you think they rename him like George or something? Well, in the sequel. No. The sequel is based off their child. In the live action. Live action. There's, there's a live, a live action? action. There's a live action lady in the tramp that was straight to Disney Plus last year. And I think it's that one. I was reading that um the owners do call him Tramp when they adopt him with no explanation of like how the humans would know the dog's like street name. Seems like a tramp to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good Much. question. Um yeah, yeah. Mary Ness makes the argument that this is the first Disney romance. Um, she says, the Prince Charmings of both Snow White and Cinderella and the centaurs of Fantasia, which I've forgotten as like a romantic element, yeah. um, had been such ciphers that they hardly counted as romance. And the less said about the animal hookups in Bambi, the better. <laughs> um, which I agree with. <laughs> um, so, and then another, another thing that she points out is that the most tragic scene in this movie is when old trusty gets hit by the wagon of the dog catcher and you see him and his motionless body just lying there and i think it's raining and it is raining it is raining and jock kind of noses him and he doesn't lift his head and then jock just sits there and then howls and it is the saddest thing yeah. It's way sadder than Bambi's mom dying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and so they originally wrote it for that to be the end of Trusty. Um, but then Walt Disney was still kind of um, feeling the effects of the outrage and the negative reception over Bambi's mother's death. Yeah. That he was like, okay, um, maybe maybe we can't let this dog die. Yeah, which I was appreciative of. Yeah, my um, I'll I'll say this again. I'm sure later. Absolutely, I loved this movie, and I'm like upset that I didn't like really get attached to it or see it again. I guess until just now, and my roommates too. Like I think Aaron had never seen it, and Nick had like seen it as a kid, like doesn't remember it. And just throughout the movie, we were just like, wow, this is such a cute movie. It's so good. It's really funny. And then once Trusty gets hit by the wagon and like it, it you do think he is dead. Um, all of us got, I was just so angry. And I was like, this is why I didn't like this movie. Like they ruined it in the last. And I don't think I was angry about Bambi. I was not angry about Bambi's mom dying, but it also, I also like sense that it was, that the movie was wrapping up. And so I was like, what a terrible way to end Lady and the Tramp. Okay, not Bambi. No. It's like the movie was not wrapping up when Bambi's no. mom dies. Um, and like, and and Bambi, like a theme had been like danger and like yeah safety. And then I think, and Mary Ness does talk a little bit about um, that mm-hmm. similar like theme from the 50s of like what it means, like staying at home is where safety it's is. Like, yeah. But I don't think it's, it's not as... Um, obvious as it was in Bambi like and, and so um I think Mary Ness is the one who also talks about like how like there's almost a lack of a villain in this movie 
Um, and so I just think, yeah, I think it would have been just out of, <laughs> out of reason to kill off that dog Gosh, um, yeah. compared to Bambi. I knew that I'd seen this movie before when I started watching it. Most of it was not familiar to me. But then when Trusty is looking for the dog catcher's wagon and he's using his nose, I distinctly remembered that. And then I was like, oh my God, he's going to get hit by the wagon. Like I remembered all of a sudden it came rushing back to me, that image. And I knew Jock was going to howl. Like yeah. all of that came rushing back to me. And I was like, I don't want to watch this again because it all came rushing back, but it, not the fact that he survives, like none of that stayed in my head, but just, just the image of trusty under the wheel, lifeless. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, it was really traumatic. It was. Um, and so, because I think it was so traumatic and I feel like we probably had a more at a better connection to trusty than we did to Bambi's mother, like yeah. personality wise. Um, Walt Disney decides not to kill off Trusty, which like, what kind of horrible, horrible human being are you if you kill off Trusty? Well, but are we going to talk about the other dog that's killed? Yes. Uh, the next line in Mary Ness's article is, it's probably worth noting the dog who dies mostly off screen, Nutsy, stays dead. <laughs> that was horrible. So for people who did not just rewatch this movie, um, there's like a few scenes in the pound and there's a dog that's brought in who doesn't have a license and he's brought taken back into this room with a door that says do not enter which also has he's taken back and he's like loving life like he yeah. is he thinks he's going somewhere he's trotting he's panting like you just get the picture that he is a happy puppy yeah he doesn't know where he's headed and the dogs yeah the dogs in the pound like know what's going to happen and they talk about it and it's just very sad and very dark it's, it's pretty horrible. And his name is Nutsy, which is just strange. Um, yeah, so uh, Mary Ness thinks that this is the first romance. A lot of it because of how, you know, it's pretty much like every, or at least most romantic movies throughout history of, of two people who are kind of mismatches, mm -hmm. but, she, but she kind of, she points out that they also, they also improve each other. They complement each other. Yeah. Does that Trump expands? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Tramp expands ladies horizons, which is true. And lady teaches Trump responsibility mm -hmm. um which she does I think I think they do compliment each other and I can definitely see that yeah um because lady was lady was crazy sheltered it, there was one part where she's singing a song about like what is a baby and like she knows the word wistful but she's like but what is a baby mm -hmm. <laughs> like you know the word wistful but you don't know the word baby that's weird and that song inspired you know what it inspired mm -hmm. um the song from um the little mermaid that ariel sings about forks what look at this stuff isn't it neat that song yeah 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 i think i think you're right i think you're right um yeah if you actually look at um uh darling and jim deer's bedroom you can see on the mantle 
um, Ariel. There's like a um, Mickey Mouse uh, or what are those are called Easter egg. Mm -hmm. um, just predicting all of that. So just kidding, that's not true. Um, and then <laughs> Mary Ness goes off on a tangent, which I really, really appreciated. And it's about the Siamese cats. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and how like you're watching it and you're like, this is definitely racist. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and I meant to look that up, like Siamese cats and where that comes from. I researched Siamese cats. Do you want to do that now? No, like I researched it. It wasn't interesting enough to like do, okay. give a book report on, but if you have questions, I can probably truly answer them. Okay. Well, just that like, um, I mean, that's the type of cat. <laughs> uh, and, and, and Siam is where Thailand is now. Yes. Um, so I guess we could call them Thai cats. Which is a type of, that is a breed that's oh. from the Siamese cat. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, but you can still call a Siamese cat a Siamese cat. Yeah. Because that's what kind of cat Tink was. Yeah. Jameson's cat. Mm -hmm. But in the movie, they have what Mary Ness refers to as vaguely Chinese accents. Their eyes are depicted in a way that kind of makes you think of maybe Asian culture. Their, the words they use are not correct. Their, their teeth were kind of bucked, which reminded me of... Um, of Mickey Rooney in um, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm. <sighs> oh, it's horrible. Um, I always get Andy Rooney and Mickey Rooney confused. Andy Rooney, I think, was on 60 Minutes. Um, but Mickey Rooney was an actor. He was a child actor, besties with um, Judy Garland. But in um, Breakfast at Tiffany's, he plays her upstairs Japanese neighbor and he is very much a white man and and it is so racist mm -hmm. and um they reminded me a lot of that portrayal um and so Mary Ness is like she's like I have mixed feelings about this because on the one hand it is definitely racist she says you have an American voice dog bravely trying to save the goldfish and the baby from these cats who have a song meant to be vaguely reminiscent of Chinese music too. You have like a little bit of that in that song. She says, that's not great. Um, she said, on the other hand, I spent years sharing a home with a cat who took positive delight in swiping things off shelves despite being told in no uncertain terms that said things belonged on shelves. And another cat who, as the superior life form on the planet, apparently felt that tormenting lower life forms of life, or sorry, lower lower forms of life, which included, but was not limited to dogs, was part of her job. Mm. That is, these Siamese cats are, well, cats. And if their song had been voiced in pretty much any other accent and given any other melody, I'd be applauding the realism. Yeah. Um, which I think is like an interesting point. Like the racism is the delivery in the the depiction of them but not in their actions right yeah like, i hated those cats yeah the the like the words in the song are really funny like mm -hmm. um yeah they talk about like um and just like, between the two of them like there's like very quickly like they get personalities and 
they're like partners in this mischief, but also like one of them will say like, maybe there'll be some milk for you after like I drink the milk. It just, I don't know. Um, mm. I actually, yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I was disappointed because I would have enjoyed the song. Like I enjoyed the song um, mm-hmm. and the words and the action and how they depicted cats. I also just don't like cats that much. And so- I don't but, either. Um, yeah, like, me, I was like, yep, this is how all cats are. Right. Um, Siamese cats are known for being chatty and for um, being very social um, and like um, with other cats and with humans. Um, I will say that the Jameson's cat, which we had them on for the Cinderella episode and then Tink, they had to put Tink down like a week later. Tink um, worshiped Josh Jameson. And I remember when they lived in their apartment um Josh had to go out on their like back patio and Tink just sat there and screamed she was just like get back in here my Josh like she loved him it was ridiculous I mean Sarah would just be like would you shut up like it was so much so yeah I I definitely believe they're social and vocal Mm -hmm. but she was a sweetheart yeah love Tink Um, that's all I had from the Mary Nest article. Okay. I also have a very random thing that I looked up. So the very beginning of the movie, you see... Um, Mellow Men? Huh? Nope. Go ahead. Josh Billings? Okay. Okay. <laughs> At the beginning of the movie, after the credits, um, they put some words on the screen and it says, in the whole history of the world, there is but one thing that money cannot buy, to wit, the wag of a dog's tail. And that is by Josh Billings. So I looked him up, and he was a humorist, often compared to Mark Twain. So he had a lot of, like, pithy sayings, like Mark Twain did. Um, not a whole lot of interesting stuff about him, but just a couple. Um, one is that he attended Hamilton College. I don't know where that is. Um, but was expelled in his second year for removing the clapper of the campus bell. Like, is that the thing that ding yeah, dong on it? The ding dong part. Um, expelled. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really strict school. <laughs> was it just like a prank? Was it a senior prank? I assume it was, a, no, it was his second year as a sophomore prank. <laughs> Um, which sophomore means wise fool. So hmm. yeah, there you go. Maybe that's what happened there. And then the other interesting thing was his death. Um, he died in the Hotel Del Monte in Monterey. And then this is what happened to his body. This is from Wikipedia. After which his body was delivered for burial. Um, sorry, after which his body was delivered for burial preparation by the local constable to the town's only doctor, who also doubled as an amateur mortician. Yikes. If you're gonna have a mortician, you never want them to be an amateur. The doctor, per his usual embalming protocol, dispensed of Billings entrails by tossing them into the gulch behind his house before packing the torso with sawdust. The stomach, liver, and intestines were found in the gulch the following morning by a dog whose master, a small boy, intended on using them for fish bait. 
Some local men, realizing the disgrace this could bring to Monterey, a town proud of its literary heritage, were able to stop the boy as he was preparing to row out to sea, delivered the entrails, and forced the doctor to give Billings organs a proper burial befitting a great author. Wow. That's gross. Yeah, it's really gross. But I thought it was important for podcast. Yeah. That we include that. Um, I, um, from the opening credits, um, there's a reference to the Mellow Men. Oh, I did see that in the, in the music section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that led me to discover that this movie is the return um, of Thurl Ravenscroft. Who, oh, wait. Uh, who voiced uh, the Grinch? Yes. And the whale? Yes. And Pinocchio? Yes. Very good. We are learning. Um, I feel so good right now. Yeah, one day that'll be a trivia question. No, it won't. So Thrill Ravenscroft um, and somebody else um, started this um, mostly, I think it, like it, the members varied, but Thrill Ravenscroft was always in this group. And I think it was always a quartet um, called the Mellow Men. Um, and so they're actually in a good amount of Disney movies um, whenever there's like a, um, a, a song um, with Did many- you get the word for song? Kind of, um, with a lot of voices. Because like a chorus? A chorus, you might say. Um, and so do you wanna guess at what point in the movie, because actually my roommates and I commented on this part, um, what point in the movie the Mellow Men might have made their vocal appearances? Well, there was like a Christmas carol at the very beginning that I'd never heard of. Okay. And then the Bellinate. Nope. Okay. And um, the deleted scene where they go to a casino. All right. So they were um, in, what do you, what was that a reference to something? No, I was just making something up. Um, No, they are the dogs in the pound when they all sing a song together. Oh, yes. Um, right. Which, yeah, it was really well done. Yes. Um, yes, it was. Then led me to this bit of us telling Columbia we would volunteer to do music for a chapel service at some point this semester, just the three of us. Um, and then we just record it and sit it, and it's just us doing different, like, dog breeds singing. Um, <laughs> but anyway. So the Mellow Men were in there. Um, they've also been in Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. Um, and Alice in Wonderland, they were like the card painters when they sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Peter- Like Pan, the painting the rose thread? Yeah. They were in Peter Pan playing the pirates and the American Indians. So yeah, that was Thurl, Ra- Thurl Ravenscroft. I guess he, I guess he's made several um, appearances since Pinocchio. But this is my first time catching it. My bad. Um, um, and when they were getting like refining the the story for the movie, at some point there was a plan to make a love triangle um, between Lady Tramp and Boris the Russian wolfhound 
Uh, why? I don't know. I don't you know, know why? You know why it is? Because men write these stories. Yeah. It was completely unnecessary. Yes. And they're like, let's put a love triangle in. We don't need that. We yeah. don't need that. Um, all I have left are like my reactions throughout the movie. Same, same. Um, you want to talk about Christmas and the tree? I think you want to talk about it, so go for it. Did you see anything on the Christmas tree that you were like, wow, that I, is... Yeah, the Confederate flag. <laughs> no. Oh, what was it? You didn't see a Confederate flag. Um, the candles on the tree. Okay, that was a yeah. thing. I know, it's just, I don't, I still don't understand. This is supposed to be set in like 1909. I I understand that. I just, I still don't understand how logistically candles on a Christmas tree works without the tree being engulfed in flames. Rarely, that's how it works. Oh, yeah. Like most trees burned and burned people's houses down. Is that what you're saying? Google, how many trees? It just seems like a horrible idea. It's like they were like, mm, the tree needs lights, but until we have lights invented, let's just put candles in the tree and, you know, make this firewood alive. Um, I also felt like they animated the dogs really well. Like yeah. they studied them and first night with lady I'm like that's I mean so you know fostering this dog my first night with her wasn't easy like she did not want to be in a crate um (laughs) the first couple nights involved me waiting until she was asleep in the same room as me in my bedroom and then once she fell asleep because she snores like crazy because she's a Boston Terrier um, then I would sneak into the guest bedroom and sleep in the twin bed. And so this little tiny dog who weighs 15 pounds got my bedroom and I slept on a twin bed. And so finally I realized this is probably not the best way to do things. And we figured out a system, but like that first night, like she would bark, I would get upset, like not like Jim Deer did. Like I felt like he was not at all understanding of how a puppy adapts for a first night. Banging on the floor. Yeah. And just screaming her name you just gave her. Yeah. If I were darling, I'd be like, "Mm, this is probably a good sign that we shouldn't have children together. (laughs) Yeah. He was not very patient or loving that first night. I didn't like him. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, um, Jim Deere and Darling, here are my notes um, that I took in, in real time. Um, the wife's name is Darling, question mark. And then I realized her name was Darling Deer, if Jim is Jim Deer. Uh, so I said, Darling Deer with a bunch of question marks. Then I went back to it and said, never mind, I get it now. Um, I kept commenting on their names for the first like 20 minutes of the movie and my roommates just kind of like nodded. And then finally I was like, oh okay this is from like lady's perspective and she's only heard her call her him call her darling and she calls him jim deer and that's where this is coming from 
What, Sarah? Except for the baby shower when um, the women are all talking about how great Darling looks. And one of them says, I was just talking to my husband and saying, Darling looks amazing. She's positively glowing or whatever. And that's when I was like, like everyone calls her Darling, which made me think of friends. When, um, when Mike dates Precious. My, the girlfriend that Mike dates and he's dating her when he goes to the Bahamas to get back with Phoebe and then when they get back and Phoebe like he's like I'm gonna break up with her and then Phoebe goes over there and then Precious shows up and she and Phoebe's like okay Precious she's like okay I can't do that I'm not gonna call you that like I just can't do that and that's kind of I mean that's how I felt with Darling I was like so we're all just calling her that like we're all okay that this is I mean either that's her given name which is horrible yeah. Or Jim just calls her that all the time. So everyone has to call her that. Either way, it's horrible. Her name is probably Susan. Like, why can't we just call her that? Yeah. You, that's interesting. I think I didn't catch on to that part. So um, my next notes are Jock is the best. Then never mind. Trusty is. Okay. I was going to say controversial opinion. You meet Jock first and then you meet Trusty. Oh man, I love these dogs so much. And I love that like I don't know, it feels strange that like they live in this nice neighborhood and they're encouraging their dogs to just kind of go wherever they want, uh, in, in each other's yards and homes, but whatever. I, um, I I loved I loved Jock with his bone stash. Mm-hmm. The very beginning, and then he like sits on it while Lady's trying to tell him something. He's like, Yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Yeah. Like, look over there. Um, I loved his accent. Um, and then, yeah, gosh, and then you meet Trusty. I'm old reliable. Oh, it's my grandpappy, old reliable. I don't recollect that I ever told you about old reliable. <laughs> I loved, I loved Trusty, and he has a puppy dream. Um, he has a puppy dream right when you first meet him, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's Lady and Jock, and then he like finds the caterpillar. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, he was a big one. Six <laughs> foot tall. Wearing wearing oh gosh, stripes. wearing stripes like a prisoner. <laughs> it's like, ooh. Oh, I thought it was well, because the caterpillar had stripes. Yeah, I thought it was like referencing like a prisoner. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, maybe I, I don't know um but I loved I loved these two dogs like I would have been fine without Lady if they did a whole movie <laughs> on Jock and Trusty I would have been totally fine with that and like Jock you could tell was kind of annoyed with Trusty sometimes but he was just like you know what we're just gonna let him be like he lost his sense of smell and that's got to be hard for a bloodhound. Um, okay, so the scariest part of the movie um, is the baby. Did you notice the first time they show the baby in the little um, bassinet or whatever? Basset hound? Go ahead. Did you notice the baby? Yeah, it was, it was maybe not the best illustrating that Disney's done. It, it is in a different... It's like nothing in animated style. It's just like it's a, like from a golden book. Yes. I hold on. I have a. I'm sending you a picture just so you remember. 
Um, we'll post it on our Facebook page for sure because I rewound it um, after I shrieked. Oh, that's not it. Um, shrieked. I shrieked because I was like, did y'all see that? And um, everybody was like, yeah. And I was like, no, I don't. I think we need to rewind that because I don't think y'all fully saw um, what I saw. Um, who okayed that? I just sent it to you. Yeah, um, it kind of reminds me of like Monty Python illustration. <laughs> Does that mean anything? Like, it's like you might have a cartoon, then all of a sudden you have like a paper looking foot stomping down on things, where it's just like a totally different kind of animation style. Right. And then they do this later, which honestly is not that better. I just sent to you. Oh, yeah. I feel like that one is just really not the best. I was not looking at the baby. I looked at the puppies. There were puppies in that picture, but even the puppies don't look good. In yeah. That oh my gosh. The lady dog, their <laughs> eyes, they're like stuffed animals. Ooh. Okay. So we'll be, we'll be posting those. Yeah, for sure. Um, we have talked about Jack and Trusty. Are we getting to the zoo? Yes. Yeah. My other favorite character. The beaver. The beaver. <laughs> he was so good. Um, I have no notes on him other than I like the beaver. Um, so I did do one of the things I looked at was there's the seat no, the live action one. I looked at like a list of the differences between the two of them. And I let myself do that because the live action one was not in theaters. It was straight to Disney Plus. And I don't really know. We haven't decided yet what that means for our journey. Um, truthfully, it's not an interesting list at all, but one of the things, the most interesting thing, was that the beaver, um, they don't go into the zoo, I think. Um, the way they get the muzzle off of her, though, is that they run into a statue of a beaver, and they use the statue's teeth to gnaw off the muzzle. Nah. So... Nah. I just don't see that happening with a live action movie. Like, I could see cartoon animals making that happen, but like. I think this is like a lot of CGI. Okay, that's helpful. I think it's, I think it's similar to like Lion King. Or sorry, okay. the Lion King. Not like the Lion Bound. King. Not like Homeward Bound. No. Did you say a Lion King? No. Oh, okay. I, I, said lion, I said Lion King and I changed it to The Lion King. So we're just making sure we're having the right pronouns and stuff. Articles. Hold on. Is New Lady and the Tramp CGI? People have already asked this. Um, oh, never mind. It, well, the remake features real life dogs taking the roles of the film's main characters rather than CGI. Okay, never mind. I guess they are real dogs. Okay, so I don't know how they make that happen then. But this looks so fake to me. This looks like um, something from uh, like Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, those are two characters from the Fantastic Mr. Fox. You are correct. Are those are not real dogs. Right? Those are not real. Like they're, they're less real than that baby was real earlier. When they also, when they get to the pound, I thought it was really clever that they have 
what are their names? The Mellow Men? Yep. The Mellow Men as dogs are singing, but they've illustrated it so that the bars on the cages they're in makes it look like they're in prison. Like the shadows Mm -hmm. of those bars makes it look look like they have prison uniforms on. Um, But I also think that they should just play that video and voice Sarah McLachlan over it Mm -hmm. in the arms of the angel um, because it was just as sad as the other videos they show with her singing. Yeah. Made me want to rescue all those dogs. Yeah, or just just that one dog being walked to the back to be shot. Nutsy. Yeah. The fact that Nutsy was like, all right, boys, I'm going home. Like, that was... Going home to his maker, you know. No? Okay. Okay, here's a question. Do dogs have a heaven? We've already talked about this extensively in our household in the last three weeks. Okay, well, so I will say that... I was just kidding. That's really your question? Yeah, well, I just want to I just want to say what Roger Nishioka said. Um, so Roger Nishioka was one of my Christian education professors at Columbia. Now he is a minister at Village Prez in Kansas. Um, but he was like really famous for being a Christian educator, like really great. You know, I really enjoyed his classes, blah, 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 blah. Um, he does not believe that animals have souls and that they will be in heaven. And they realize that those are two different things. Like souls are kind of tricky in that like, do dogs know they're doing badly? Or like, are dogs solely motivated by food? That That's, you know, an interesting thing to think about. But he doesn't think that like dogs um, like, like feel and love. They just think that dogs love their humans. Um, and so whenever I would do uh, presentations that involve PowerPoint, every other slide, I would include pictures of animals showing love for other animals and humans, <laughs> just because I, I disagreed with them. Um, and I think, I do think that dogs, not cats, but dogs definitely have souls. <laughs> I looked up on the website, does the dog die.com. <laughs> Forgot about that. Because I wanted to know um, what their answer was to does a dog die. And so people have said yes, because that dog For Nutsy? Mm-hmm. For Nutsy? Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because I guess it's just like a, it's a voting system now where people just like, you could see how people voted for yes and how many people said no. Because um, there's things like, is there dog fighting? Which the winning answer is yes, but I could see some people saying no. Um, because it links to ASP- ASPCA's site for dog fighting, which is referring, I think, to like when humans like train dogs to fight. And I, I don't, I'm so confused. Like they're talking about Lady and the Tramp. Is there dog fighting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there right. are dogs who are fighting, but it's not like dog fighting. Right. Yeah. So I think that's why they've kind of moved What's to this place. Like, isn't there. Michael Vick isn't there. So I think that's why they've moved to this like yes or no, like you can vote kind of like. It's an opinion, I don't know. Anyway, um, but not all questions are even answered. Like, nobody answers, are there spiders? Um, answer. One of the answers that does, one of the questions that does get an answer is, does a dragon die? It's no. In Lady in the Tram? Yeah. Nobody answered, does a horse die? Um, there's also. Oh, I just, like, is, 
Okay. Does the dog die.com is also for any other animal, not just for dogs. Now it's for like any like triggering moments, including like, is there addiction? There's Sarah actually should use this because there's also, are there any teeth damaged? Oh. Like stuff like that that you can look at ahead of time. What about like the whole, the whole thing, whole phobia? Uh, no, that's not on here. Trip, trypto. That's not on here. Um, Trilophobia? But things like, is someone gaslighted? Is there, um, <laughs> are there anxiety attacks? Um, are there what? Anxiety attacks. Mm-hmm. Is there childbirth? Is there shaky cam? Um, a lot of like, yeah. And I like the things. teeth thing. Okay, so then there's also a question that says, is there hate speech? And the one person has voted and they said yes. And so I am curious of where the hate speech is. In- is it hate speech? Okay, I'll tell you what I hated was Aunt Sarah. Really? Oh, she was the worst. But she sends treats at the end of the movie. Only because yeah. she realizes how horrible she was. I mean, she, when, when um, again, I don't understand the rat thing. Like, is this, is this something that we should be afraid of? That rats are trying to kill babies? I mean, like biting them and giving them a disease, yeah. Such a we- I don't think rats. I don't think rats do that. People get diseases from the fleas that are on rats. This is in the 1950s, Sarah. People had different concerns. They weren't concerned about fire um, engulfing their trees, but they were concerned about rats. Yeah. It just felt like they needed a villain, and they're like mm, a rat. Like it, it. It made no sense to me. But Aunt Sarah, after. Um, tramp and lady I'm going to start calling it that way the tramp and lady um, after they like fend off the rat and Sarah who just sucks she's been asleep and um, and tramp is fighting these this rat and he's barking and barking and barking and like turning over lamps and stuff and then they turn the crib over and the baby falls out and starts crying and that's when she wakes up and then she comes in and all she sees is the damage and the dogs. And so then she sends Tramp off with the dog pound, animal catcher, whatever, dog catcher. And she says, you'll destroy that animal at once. Like that was her like go-to yeah. gut thing. Like if I woke up and there was a dog, I don't know. I'd be like, can we like figure out what's going on first? Like, I don't know. Destroying a dog is just never my, my go-to, like, I don't know. I've never been in that situation. So to be fair to Aunt Sarah, but still I hated her. Yeah. She was the worst. Because I mean, she brought, she was like, Oh no, the dog can't be around the baby, but her stupid cats could be Mm -hmm. like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to alienate like half of our listeners, but cat people, you know that they kind of are mean, right? Like every cat person admits that their cat has mean tendencies or like they're known to just like push things off. They're, jerk. they're jerks. Yeah. So, and, and you can still love them. That's fine. Right. But like dogs are not. Dogs are known for being loyal and loving and protective. And so if you're in a room, two dogs or two cats and a dog, what are the odds that it's, the dog that's causing the strife and not the cats. 
I don't think that's a very strong argument, but I'm going to let you have it. It's the cats. Um, Always the cats. Okay. Oh, I had a big question. Shocking. Huge question, really. When Lady is busted out of jail and she comes home and she's put on a chain in her dog shed or whatever that's called, dog house, um, Trusty and Jock come to find her and they're having their conversation, this conversation between each other. And it seems like they're both going to offer to marry her. Did you catch that? No. What do they say? Like Trusty says something like, well, I've never, I've never proposed to a woman before or something like that. And Jock is like, we do it because it's our duty. And like, I don't know what they thought happened at the pound. Like, it made me really uncomfortable. I'm just going to Google, do Jock and Trusty think she's pregnant? Okay, what'd you find? Okay, um, the AV Club has an article called Lady and the Tramp is Walt Disney's Most Grown-Up Film. So, okay. let's, let's just take a gander, shall we? Um, he talks, they talk about like them, you know, meeting each other, the opposites track kind of thing. Um, but, uh, it says, uh, while Lady and the Tramp may be one of the most grown up entries in the Disney canon, it masks its complex themes behind lush animation and subtle storytelling. For example, the idea that Lady is pregnant with Tramp's puppies is conveyed solely in subtext when her two respectable friends offer to marry her. What goes unspoken is the idea that they're providing an escape from the stigma of being an unmarried mother. I'm okay. Did you miss that? Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, like, I was watching it and I was like, this is weird. Like, they're, like, they're kind of this, like, Jack gets it. And he's trying to talk um, Trusty into it. And Trusty's like, you know, this is all new to me. Um, I mean, I always got the feeling that, like, Jock had a crush on Lady in a little bit of a way. Um, but but then like, this article, like, goes on to say that, like, you know, like, for 1955, um, you know, the uh, darling is pregnant. We, we understand that. And, like, she sends her husband out for watermelon and chop suey which is like more than any Disney film has ever referenced, like as far as pregnancy goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, it was just, yeah, I thought that was really weird. Um, I think it's just about all I had. Um, huge relief when Trusty shows up with this cast at the end of the movie. Huge relief, yeah. Scary scale? Um... Yes or no? Oh, I just, scary scale is not a yes or no. It's a scale, Natalie. Oh, you thought I was asking you for your scary scale? Oh, yeah, because we both have one. I was asking if you're ready for my scary scale. I am ready for yours, yes. Go ahead. Well, I haven't fully thought about it yet, but I would say <laughs> probably a, a one. Uh, I'd say a two. Yeah. The rat is scary. Mm-hmm. That baby is scary. Um, would that baby is, have scared you as a child, though? Yeah, I don't, I don't think the baby would have scared me as a kid, um, but the rat and the dog biting and, um, and the dog 
dying and the dog almost dying. I'd say 2.5. We'll raise it 2.5. Would you say Trusty is like a Jesus figure in this movie? No. Gail, what's your scary scale? My scary scale is probably a two or a three, again, because of the rat. Um, I really remembered having more anxiety watching this film towards the end with like the chase scene and the rat. Like when I first started it, I was like, can you remember something really dark? Like a dark figure that is the bad guy. And I thought it was a snake or like a shadow. Like I thought it was a shadow. That's Peter Pan. Is it the shadow is not a bad guy in Peter Pan. Like I thought, I was like, I remember something being very black with like glowing eyes. And I think it's like a shadow that takes over this baby, (laughs) which was really scary. So I guess out of just relief from that not being the case, I would say a two. Okay. All right. Um, Every week we do our favorite movies um, from the past movies that we've watched up until now. Natalie is holding firm with Dumbo. No. With Bambi. Thank you. Even worse. Um, and I switched things up a couple weeks ago with 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And so, Natalie, um, are you switching it up? I am. I'm choosing Lady and the Tramp. It was a oh. very- it was a very good movie, and I don't see myself budging until Fox and the Hound comes around. <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge prediction. But I'm really proud of you for moving away from a really, truly terrible movie and embracing, a movie. embracing a much better one. Thank you. Sarah, um, are you sticking with your submarines? Um, because of Trusty and Jock... I am going to also go with The Lady and A Tramp for my new favorite movie so far. But next week's Old Yeller, or two weeks from now is Old Yeller. So I feel like if everything happens, everything goes well in that movie, it's another animal movie. Yeah, like a near-death experience and not a death experience. Near-death is really what I'm looking for in animal movies, not full death. Just yeah. near it. Adjacent death. Gotcha. All right. Um, sources. Hold on. Well, mine are Wikipedia and um, Mary Ness's article in Tor.com, The First True Disney Romance, Lady and the Tramp, as well as Lady and the Tramp is Walt Disney's most grown-up film, an article on AV Club, Dot com by Caroline Seed, S-I-E-D-E. I used Wikipedia. Um, I used, I looked at Mary Ness's article as well on tour, but I don't, I mean, I didn't talk much about it. Um, does the dog die.com. I um, used my um, information a little bit from cattime.com about Siamese cats. So next week, we are taking a brief break from our movies, and we are interviewing our family, our aunt and uncle, and their children, Luke and Rachel, who are diehard Disneyland fans. So in the world of Disney, right after Lady and the Tramp, Disneyland opens.
and also Rachel's boyfriend, fiance. And Rachel's fiance, Brennan. He will also be there. Um, would also be a good, um, a good journey if for those of, uh, those of you who have listened to our past episodes. Um, this is our mom's sister. Um, in some ways they are very alike. In some ways they are not. Um, but I think just based on their podcast performance, you'll be able to pick up some of those um, <clears throat> similarities. Yes. Well, all right. Thank you for listening. Uh, if to you want to talk to us. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, um, Wolf Disney Podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Wolf Disney Pod. Um, stay tuned for pictures. You can Google it too, but um, a picture of the very scary baby. And um, and and like us on these podcast streaming things that you're using. Yeah. Our goal is to get Chrissy Teigen and Mary Ness to listen to us for different reasons. Okay. Yeah. Chrissy Teigen is on bed rest, so. Hey, Chrissy. To our podcast. Um, your dad retweeted Natalie once. So. He did. It's exciting. All right. So um, we'll be back next week with Disneyland stuff and then Old Yeller. Bye. Two winners. This has been Wolf Disney. Thanks for listening. Our theme song is Lamb and Wolf by Poddington Bear. See you next week.